Welcome to the Christine Spray Show, bringing you insights and stories from successful CEOs to help grow your business and increase your revenue. The Christine Spray Show is brought to you by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Find out more at yourpodcast.team. Now, here's your host, Christine Spray. Joining me today is Emily Stiller, the president and CEO of Glesley Marks. Thank you for being a guest on our show, Emily, and welcome. Hi, Christine. Really happy to be here. Good morning. Good morning. How is your day going so far? It's been good. How about you? Awesome. Awesome. Life is good. I count my blessings and love what I do. So and being with people like you and learning more about how you became successful is, uh, is exciting. So I look, look forward to learning more about that. Tell me a little bit about your background and uh, where you grew up and about your education and training that helped you um, become a business owner and um, in your success. Absolutely. Um, so I actually grew up in Los Angeles and um, went to college in Washington, D.C. Um, and after college, I got involved in a political communications company working with the government. And while I was there, I actually met an entrepreneur, um, and he was looking to start his own web development business that catered to the government. So we met and we worked a little bit together, and he recruited me to sort of be actually his first employee uh, at his business and to really sort of help him grow it. Um, I was pretty young. I was, I think, about a year out of college at that point. And uh, so I decided to take that risk. I, I remember actually calling my parents and saying, hey, I, I think I'm going to leave my job. And I, I, I met this great entrepreneur and he wants to start something. And I'm, I really want to take this leap. And, you know, I think a parent initially is first wants the safety and security for their child. So, you know, they wanted to find out a little bit more. And I didn't have a ton to give other than the guy I was going to start working with was a really inspiring, really smart, and really had a vision for where he wanted to take the business. So I decided to take the leap. And I it, I went over to his business and we started basically from nothing. Um, and over the course of two years, it was just he and I sort of learning the technology, teaching ourselves um, how to sort of best provide the product to our clients. And uh, we really began to build and we became uh, a top vendor within uh, sort of the congressional government space and built our team and built the company to a really reputable place. And in, uh, we were, I worked there for about seven years until we actually sold it to a competitor. And it was really a life-changing experience for me uh, because I gained so much knowledge of a business from really every aspect. I was a project manager. I was uh, an operation. I, I led the operations and I became sort of a, I don't want to say a jack of all trades. I think that's a little bit cliche, but your hands had to, you had to be able to do a lot of things at a startup when it's just two people. And when you're starting to try and grow it and you're learning a lot of things along the way and you're sort of stumbling as you're doing it which only made, made us, uh, which made me grow more. And um, 
which allowed the business to grow. And so after we sold that, I realized I had never gotten sort of formal business training in college. It's not what I studied. I studied international relations. And so while I had a lot of hands-on training, I realized I didn't have sort of more uh, technical, uh, formal education on certain business matters like accounting, like finance and whatnot. So I actually wanted to go back and get my MBA and get a little bit more structured training. So I went back to school um, and got my MBA. This was all in Washington, D.C. Um, so at this point, I think I had, I think by the time I started my MBA program, I had been living in D.C. for maybe about 12 years, 13 years at that point. And uh, the MBA was a great program because, number one, I actually continued working, so I did it part-time. Um, but it allowed me to sort of fill in some of the gaps that I was not going to be able to teach myself at a business. And so um, when I finished my MBA, I was looking for my next opportunity. And that's actually what led me to Glesby Marks today. Wow, how interesting. What what great experience right out of the gate uh, from college and going into a startup. And obviously, some lessons learned you're, you're already alluding to is, you know, some of the gaps that you didn't have. What do you wish you would have known? Um, or what are some of the things you've learned? You've mentioned counting and some others. But what are some lessons learned um, that you wish you'd have known before you actually did that startup? Right. So I think that I had, I was a young manager. I think that, and I had only really been, I had, you know, I had had jobs, you know, in, in high school or whatnot. And, you know, throughout summertime when I was on break from college. Uh, but I think that having more, ma- being managed more, would have helped me um, maybe not make some of the mistakes that I had made. Mm-hmm. Uh, just sort of see maybe how you've handled different situations. It would have been, I would have loved to have been able to maybe have a little bit more experience being managed before I myself became a manager. Mm-hmm. But look, I can't really complain. I, I think I turn. I think, I was able to really turn that into uh, success, and I think I am a good. Ma- I think I am a good manager. I think that there were times where it would have been helpful to have maybe been drawn on to be able to draw on experience of my own of being. Mm-hmm. Well, they say but, people is, is the hardest part, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. You know, because um, look, your workforce. That's the only way, that's how the job gets done. And so you want to make sure that, number one, you're doing an effective job, sort of making sure that people are reaching their potential Mm -hmm. and making sure that they are doing the best that they're able to do and you're providing them those tools. Mm -hmm. And um, I was really young. And so, you know, I had some missteps along the way, but I think that um, I grew really quickly with that and I think I learned really quickly but yeah I think if I could go back um, it's an experience I would never change because it really has made me who I am today but I guess if I had to pick something I would love 
I would have loved maybe a little bit more um, experience in my own work in 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 working in a, in an environment like that. Okay, to be able to it, bring to be able to bring to other people. That makes sense. So thanks for sharing that too. I always say, you know, running a business because you have people involved is the hardest part. You know, making widgets is the easy part. <laughs> right? right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you said that led you to Gillespie Marks. Um, tell us, tell us about you know how, how you got into the business and how you became president and CEO of, of of the company. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, well, I for, it, it goes back a little bit. I ended up meeting my now husband while we were living in Washington D.C. and um, he was actually from Houston, which is where I live, and my my dad was actually born and raised here as well. And I bring that up because we were deciding when we were decided that we wanted to leave DC where we wanted to live. And it was really between Houston and Los Angeles. We wanted to be by family. And uh, so we were making those decisions and we just, we ultimately settled on Houston. So then it became about, all right, so what am I, what are we going to do when we get there? And I bring up my father because, he uh, was born and raised here. So I have actually extended family that lives here. And my family uh, is, you know, has a lot of business background. We, we own different businesses and um, sort of throughout the country, both in Los Angeles and in Texas. And for my generation, that was family business was never really in uh, the cards. There are mm-hmm. there are a lot of cousins, and there are a lot of people in my generation. And so, really, my parents' generation sort of took the approach. The best way to sort of handle this is to, because we're not going to be able to get everybody involved, um, mm-hmm. just because there wouldn't be enough room. Um, mm-hmm. So let's just not get anybody involved. Mm-hmm. So everyone sort of found their own paths, right? Um, mm-hmm. Everyone, you know my brothers, my cousins, we all do, we were all doing our own thing. And as was I, um, but an opportunity came up with Leslie Mark where the, uh, former president, now former president had been there for years, 38 years. I think he had been there at that point and was one day going to really want to retire. And so the chairman who is a family member, um, had known my trajectory and had known my path. He had known, you know, we were, he's, my, he's of my parents' generation, but he had seen what I had been accomplishing, that mm. I had done the startup, that I had, we had made that a successful business, that I had gone back to go get my MBA. And so he actually, he first approached my dad and said, you know, I'd like to reach out to Emily about a job at Leslie Marks because I think that she could be an asset here. And they discussed it and ultimately just said, you know, given her education, given her training, given her work experience, this is an appropriate, this is appropriate, right? We're not, yes, we are making an exception to a rule that we had made, but it, it isn't, um, it wasn't unearned. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was approached and it wasn't to immediately take over as president and CEO because I, I wouldn't have been equipped to be able to do that yet. Uh, but what it was, 
was that I trained under the current president at the time and learned the business. And if it feels like I would be able to do this both from his the company's perspective and from my perspective that yes, I would then take over as CEO and president. Hmm. So I actually had to think about it for a bit because number one, it really had never been on my radar. Mm-hmm. And number two, working for a family business is a big deal. There are a lot of dynamics that mm-hmm. go into that there. Are, and I wanted to make sure that I was prepared for it. Um, mm-hmm. So my dad works for one of our family businesses, but out in Los Angeles. So I really went to him for guidance and I went to him to sort to get his feedback and, and to really help me make the decision. Clearly, ultimately, I made the decision that this was a, that this was something that I wanted to move forward with, and I think a lot of it came from my family's response. Mm. So when I and it and it was key, they said to me, "Look, if at any time during the training you realize this this job isn't for you, then there's then that's okay. You don't have to do it. We'll walk away, and that will be fine." And I think having that pressure taken off where I could ensure that it was the, that I could commit and ensure that it was the right thing made the, made the decision to, to get into the business a lot easier um, because ultimately it was going to be my decision if ultimately it did not work out, if it wasn't, it was, if it wasn't the right fit. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got into it. And I uh, worked under uh, the, my predecessor, for two years. Mm-hmm. And he always said, you know, he, he did want to retire, but he was never after investing for, at that point, 39 years into a business, he was never just going to leave. Um, he was only going to leave when it was right. So after working under him for two years and training under him for two years, he is actually the one that made the decision and said that she, that she, I am ready. Mm. And so um, I took over in uh, January 1st, 2017, and have been going ever since. Wow, what a story. What, it just it gives me goosebumps thinking about what you went through, not only in the startup and everything you had to learn there, but then the pressure. Um, even though you had the opportunity to walk away at any time, just the pressure, um, you know, since your family was steadfast on not having, you know, the kids in the business, to you actually coming into the business learning for two years. Um, what were some of the biggest surprises to you uh, as you, you know, learned that during that two year period, as you learned the business and learned the dynamics, of course, you know, now you get to really put your MBA to the test too, right? Right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. So our business, so I run a fleet leasing company and we are everything, you know, we're basically an asset based lender. Right. Okay. So, I, you know, a customer comes and they say, you know, I want to get a pickup truck for my business. We don't do any consumer leasing. It's all business to business. So I have no inventory on hand until I go and uh, get the actual vehicle that the customer wants. But what we but so we're a credit lender and our credit. And, and so we lend vehicles, we lend inventory, but these credit decisions that I've never had to, that I never was really exposed to 
with my previous job, right? We were a web development business. It was completely different. So the challenge for me was really how do you evaluate the customer and the prospect that is looking to come on, right? It's not just about going to sell your business. You then have to make sure that they're a customer that that their financials can take the loan that you're about to provide them. Mm. And so for me, it was the difference in not only how the sale and the decision to go with the customer, it was it's how you evaluate it's how I had to evaluate everything. I didn't ever have to do that type of evaluation before in the type of business that I was in. Mm. And so um I think that it so it was a interesting shift for me um when you you spent the salesperson spends a lot of time meeting with prospects and it is not a quick sale for us right you don't just walk into a business and someone's like yes i need a pickup truck mm-hmm. it's a long it's a longer sale so you spend so you watch the salespeople really work so hard and then the person says yes i'd love to work with you and then it's not a necessarily a yes or it's not it's not always clear cut and so that was something i had to wrap my head around how do you make a deal happen you know i was always taught and my predecessor made it clear you can never make a bad deal good but mm. not everything has to be perfect either so how can you work with people to make sure that you can help their businesses run by getting them the vehicle they need while also suiting our needs and so it also allowed you to get creative with ways to bring customers on and that can be through a variety of methods whether it's you know credit lines or security deposits or just different ways that you can make relationships and deals work and i had never really been exposed to that before um and so it was treating it was learning a different way uh to sort of think about the on to think about the sales experience Really, and to think about bringing on customers. So that was really interesting for me. How interesting. I love that quote, by the way, can never make a bad deal good. Can never make a bad deal good. That's really a great takeaway as well. And it's so true. And of course, you really had a lot more people experience in this job because you're on both sides of the table, right? You were not only um, learning and, and getting to know and building trust and rapport with your customers, but you're also doing it with your staff, right? So, and, and, that's right. And probably a much bigger company too. Well, that's right. And you know, that's interesting that you bring that up because I think one of the biggest challenges once my predecessor left was he, because he had been there basically since the company's inception, he could make decisions very, very quickly you could bring him something and he could review it and sort of know exactly what to do almost immediately. And that came from experience. It came from him being there for 39 years, seeing mm-hmm. so much, seeing what he had seen, experiencing what he had experienced. And I frankly just was never going to, was, was not going to be that fast. And so I think that one of the, challenges that I was going to face once I was sort of quote unquote on my own, meaning not under him anymore, was being okay with making assessments 
more slowly than he did. And mm-hmm. so actually what I did was, bef- uh, I think I, it may have even, I can't remember if it was before he left or right, or basically day one of my, day one of me being president. I brought in my direct report and I sat them down and I, and I, and I was very honest and straightforward. And I said, he was able to tell you guys things very, very quickly when you brought them to him. And I'm going to let you know that I'm not going to be able to be that fast, to be that quick. Um, you know, I need to make sure whatever you bring to me that I fully understand. And that might take me a little bit more time than it took him. I need to get, understand, you know, sort of the full root of an issue, what the problem was, um, and get background information if necessary to make me fully understand. Well, that's going to obviously take a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. And I think the key was conveying to them, look, I'm going to be a little bit slower. So I need you to be a little bit more patient, but it was also on me because I can't slow down our means of operation. Mm -hmm. Our customers are used to a certain speed, a certain efficiency. And so I couldn't, I can't be a wrench in that. I can't slow that down. So I have to, I had to work to make sure that I understood issues, which would take me a little bit longer, but I couldn't take too long that it impeded our business. And so Mm -hmm. I think I was really honest and I was really open from the, from the get go, frankly, and they understood and they understood. And that, and that's really something that I have tried to foster within the, within our company is I'm just going to be very straight up. I'm going to be very straight up and honest with you. I'm going to tell you exactly sort of how I see it and what I need, because I think that that honesty, they were able to work with that. They understood that I was going to need more time. And so they could build that into their expectations as well. And of course I'm quicker today than I was in 2017, but I still I still need that extra time. I'm, and of course, there are some decisions I can make pretty quickly, but there are other things that I need to investigate. And I do that to make sure that I make the right decision, right? That we make the best decision possible. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the challenge was ensuring that I got all of the information I needed, but I did it without slowing down what we, the business needed to do. Mm-hmm. So th- I think that was one of my biggest challenges. And, and I don't say it's a challenge today, but it's existence today still. But mm-hmm. I think because I was really forthright with everything at the beginning, my team completely understands and they work with me on it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, you're doing a so, lot of things right because you're obviously been very successful and the companies continue to do very well under your leadership. Um, so kudos to you, uh, because obviously you've learned not to just try, not to come in and try to be somebody you're not to come in and be, be who you are and put the experience and skill sets that you have and your own style, right? Your own leadership style, um, into work and your people, I believe, respect that. And that's what you've seen, right? Well, right. Yeah. It's, it's it, because we have a lot of the, the employees have been there for, I mean, actual decades, 20, 30 plus years. Mm. So for me, that that's amazing. This is mm-hmm. great. I'm walking into a great situation because I can 
I can reach into their brains and try and get their experience and find out what they know. And it can become collaborative. My leadership style, I do, obviously I lead and I'm ultimately the decisions fall on me. But my employees are my greatest asset. Mm-hmm. They're the ones with them. They have so much knowledge. They have so much experience and they're so intelligent that I want to draw on what they know to help me get to the best decision. So I really want to take a collaborative approach. I want mm-hmm. to speak. I want to get my team together and I want to bounce ideas off each other because we don't all think the same. We don't all have, we don't all come from, we all have the same goal, but we don't necessarily get there the same way. So if I can tap into my team's viewpoint and experience, then to me, I can come up with the best decisions and the best paths to move forward for the company. And so that, that, that's really what I've been trying to do. Well, it sounds like you've done doing a great job of it, too. Um, so congratulations. Tell us, in fact, on that note, what are some of your successes that you've had, some of your proudest achievements uh, since you have been leader uh, over the organization, um, obviously, in getting to know the people and, and services and product offerings and all those things? What are some of those, your proudest achievements and accomplishments? Yeah, so I think that one thing is the company was started in 1976. And the company founders had a vision to have a very, very relationship-based business so that when you come on with us, and a lot of businesses, a salesperson will sell to you, and then they're going to pass you on to an account manager. That's not the way our business works. Your salesperson is your point of contact. We want you to truly build a relationship with us. We want to be an extension of your business. And the founders really, that was their vision and that is how they ran the business. So as I have come in, I have tried to modernize a few things. Look, updating technology, Mm -hmm. um, bringing in some more strategic partners. But in doing it, I want to ensure that we never lost who we actually were at our core. So by bringing on maybe more strategic partnerships or maybe making ourselves a little bit more uh, technology user-friendly, I didn't want that to translate to a loss of relationship with the customer. So I think one of my achievements has been that we have been able to modernize without losing our personal touch. Mm. And so that's been a really that's been a really important part of our business that I have never, that I've never wanted to change. And so it's Mm -hmm. about modernizing that and keeping that. The other thing I think is uh, widening our credit um, approval. And what I mean by that is I think that I have, open the idea to taking a little bit more risk than we had before. Not unnecessary risk, but allowing us to become more creative with deals and opportunities to help us grow some more. Businesses are changing so much now. And with the advent sort of of more and more technology, uh, I, I wanted to make sure that when we were evaluating new customers, 
we took into account not necessarily the old, the the sort of rigid way of evaluating them, but taking a more open approach and finding a way to to do the deal again, not making a bad deal good, but taking something that maybe isn't that you need to be a little bit more creative with in terms of how you provide their credit, but can ultimately lead to a really long lasting relationship. And again, allowing someone that needs your services to be able to get their business going. And um, so I think one of my achievements is growing our business by sort of expanding the way that we evaluated customers. And I think that I've done a good job with that. And I think we have grown and I think we have brought on a lot of new business since I've taken over. And we've been, and we've, and we've been thriving with that. We've been thriving. We haven't, uh, by, by sort of taking on that additional risk, we've been successful and we haven't, um, suffered from that. We've only really thrived. And so I think that's another big achievement. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Very interesting. And I, and I agree. I concur. Um, what, I'm going to ask, what scares me ask you something personally back to your own ed, uh, education experience and, and, you know, lessons learned. What do you do for professional development now to, you know, be the best leader and best manager that you can be for your, your organization and your team? Right. Great question. So, I'm part of Visage, um, which, you know, is a professional group uh, of CEOs. And that group for me has been, I've been in that group for now two years. And the group for me has really been a wonderful way to include myself in my position. They obviously are not, it's a, they aren't in my industry, but they're all CEOs. And so when I have come with issues that I am facing, I, they all have had so much experience with their own business that they're able to give me a lot of insight. So mm. for me, this has been a way for me to grow as a CEO and to grow as a, a manager trying to grow a business, right? Not just how I manage people, but really how do I manage sort of the growth of this business? Mm-hmm. So usage for me has been really invaluable. The other thing I've tried to do is I've tried to take courses. Um, I've taken a couple at Rice um, to continue my development uh, as a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've taken some courses there and then I've, become friendly with people in my industry that I call upon or they call upon me where we just sort of professionally talk about what's going on in the industry and what we're doing uh, in certain areas. So that gives me some industry knowledge about what's happening and how I might be able to leverage that for my, for my business. So I think I get it from both Vistage from sort of formal education training, and then also from my relationships within industry professionals um, is how I try and stay up to date and try and better myself. Oh, that's awesome. And, and all that on top of, of course, uh, 
being married and having a family, starting a family and, uh, and juggling it all. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. Thank you. You, Thank you. You inspire me. You inspire me and motivate me for sure. I, we have time for one more question. I'd love to hear from you. What is your most rewarding part of running the business? Uh, my coworkers. I absolutely love them. I, uh, they are smart. They are driven and they want to make our business better and they want to help the customer. So getting to collaborate with my team on a daily basis jazzes me. It just completely, completely excites me. Mm -hmm. My team rarely, not even rarely, never really um, is into the status quo. So Mm -hmm always wanting to say, hey, what else can we provide for our customers? And when we get when we get going on conversations like that and trying to become come up with new service offerings or looking for more new strategic partners, that excites me and that excites my team. Everybody wants to keep Glesby Mark moving. And so I think the most rewarding part for me is getting to work with the people I work with. Mm-hmm. I, I I genuinely enjoy uh, getting to speak with them, getting to collaborate with them, and getting to grow with them, frankly. Um, so the, my team is the most rewarding part. Mm-hmm. Well, they, like you said earlier, uh, people are our greatest asset. It starts that your first client is your, is your, you know, is your employee, and you've you've taken that obviously to heart. And you can tell, in just in your tone and how you talk about them, that you're in your element and that, uh, that your, your passion really, really, really comes through. So kudos to you. I'm sure that's, again, a huge part of why you've been successful and why you were successful, too, in your first startup as well. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, thank you, Emily. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your experience with us. Um, again, your, your inspiration and your success just motivates, uh, motivates me, inspires me, and, and I'm sure many others as well. I really appreciate you taking your time to, to share your time, your experience, and, and expertise with us. And I wish you all the best in your continued success and um, look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you, Christine. I just I had a blast on this podcast. So. Uh, happy to come back anytime. This is great. Awesome. Awesome. Well, and anybody that needs needs help when it comes to your fleets and your leases, please call Glesby March because you'll be in great hands for sure. Emily, have a great day and we'll talk soon. Wonderful. Bye. And there we have Bye. it. Another great episode on the Christine Spray Show. Don't forget to check out the show notes at christinespray.com. And you can find out more about how we can be a resource to you at strategiccatalystinc.com. All the best in your continued success until the next time we talk.